0: Let me show you how it's done.
1: Well, well, welcome. You are listening to the Drop Drop podcast on business tech and influence. I am one half of the Drop, Tam Dania, head of strategy. I lead insights and product. I focus on tech, in particular, solutions that solve real world problems. And I'm here with.
0: My name is B. Pagels Minor. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I have been a product manager for over a decade at some of the world's nice. most well respected companies like Sprout Social, Apple, and Netflix. I've led teams that. That built important parts of the app store, launched games at Netflix, built listening at Sprout Social. All in all, my DNA is fully being a product manager.
1: So what are we talking about? Um, layoffs, not just that they're happening, but how they're happening and what does it mean for the future of work, right? And for some context, In the news, again, is Coinbase, who recently laid off 1,100 people, but just saw another 5% reduction in their workforce um, because of a policy against employee activism. 5% is about 60 people at this point. Elon Musk had a policy of mandatory immediate return to work, and that resulted in a 10% reduction. And so it seems like now employers are saying – they're giving warnings to their employees: take it or leave it. And in some instances, not even giving a warning, just leaving it. They're getting laid off. So, what's your take on that?
0: So, I think there's two separate things here because there's the layoffs, right? Which the layoffs all seem to be a symptom of a great deal of overconfidence. Like that's that, that's where I'm like, it's I'm I'm gonna say overconfidence because you know, because you know, it's not just Coinbase. The Coinbase did well during the pandemic. You know, Peloton did well during the pandemic, Stitch Fix did well during the pandemic, yep. Better did well during the pandemic. So these are all companies that were like, oh my gosh, look at how well we're doing. And I think part of the, the, the there was a delusion there, right? Because they're saying, oh, we're doing well, even though it's a pandemic and we thought there was gonna be a damn downturn because of the pandemic.
1: And if the reality of it is, is
0: that, you know, the pandemic era, so from 2020 to now, actually probably until, you know, a couple of years from now, it's going to be a unique part of the, the history of the world, right? Yeah. It's a unique part where people were primarily stationary and they, their shopping habits, the way that they invested, were tremendously different. So like, if you're thinking of it from like an, an, an archaeologist or sociologist or, or, or someone like that, or even an economist, it's like you almost have to completely slice this part of history out because it's a complete outlier. Mm-hmm. And somehow these businesses didn't think about that as a business fact right that this is a unique period in history that should not be representative of what the world will look like in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years and so based on that overconfidence or actually you know in some ways i guess it, it's reasonable to say ignorance right like they fundamentally did not think about facts they, they kind of operated in their own bubble and assumed things would continue to go well they hired too many people right um, so that's first and foremost. Like almost every single one of those companies, when you actually even start looking at the areas of the business that are primarily being laid off, a lot of them are like HR functions, sales functions, you know, these like extraneous and, and I and I don't mean like HR is not extraneous, but it's like it's it's an over hiring in some of these roles that just didn't make sense considering the actual business that was at hand, right? Stitch fix is like a great example to me personally because you know, Stitch Fix, you know, shopping for clothes um yeah. you can do it online there's no question about it doing it yeah. online it's really great it's really effective that's why we have free returns but there's a huge part especially when your market is primarily women women have a much harder time shopping online than people who are not women right and so there's a reality that people like to go into physical stores to touch the materials to try them all on so they don't have to go through the hassle or the disappointment of taking of, of getting with those clothes and they don't fit and so, of course, you know, I'm just like Stitch so Fix. I was like, "Why did you think that, you know, not only we you going to be fine after the pandemic ended, but also they also are trying to introduce a new type of business, right? So, part of their new strategy is being having someone be able to directly choose different items instead of just these fixes. So, fixes are like a, uh, a something that's chosen based on certain categories and certain information that you provide to them. And it's like, so you're trying to change your product, your your product fundamentally. And you also, doing and, and somehow you thought it was okay to so both hire people not thinking about how it's going to look on the other side of it. So again, it comes back to the same thing we, we say often here. You know, it's like, there's still business fundamentals, right? Does not matter what else is going on in the world. You have to think about from a strategic standpoint, is this the reality of what my business is going to look like over time? And if you come to the conclusion that it's not, then you have to make decisions. And that's why, you know, Apple's so great. I mean, Apple mm-hmm. feels like, going to the, the mom and pop store around the corner because it's so predictable. Like Apple always has a really good understanding of what their, their core customers are looking for and building those items and really creating a sticky experience that makes them um, a great a great company to both work at and also to have stock in um, no matter what the circumstances are. So that's my, my opinion about the layoffs. Mm-hmm. It's just people just fundamentally not thinking about business principles.
1: I think you said the, that term a lot in a lot of different ways, like, um, overconfidence. And I'm wondering if, the overconfident is a symptom of the design of this. You're giving a boatload of money made to make use of it. And it kind of reminds me of a lot of what happens in enterprise. A VP or a business group is giving a lot of money and it's use it or lose it. Towards the end of that fiscal year, they start making really reckless decisions paying for things because they wanna make sure that they get that money again. And I think that some of that kind of gamification exists in the, in the startup world as well. We have to prove growth. We don't have to prove revenue, we have to prove growth. And so we have to justify that growth with hiring more people. I also do believe that the business fundamentals that you're talking about, just the game has changed a lot. This kind of mantra of go fast or move fast and fail quick is kind of the name of the game. Um, I don't remember who was the CEO. I think it was the CEO of Bolt who was like, you have, to make, you have to be able to make decisions that you can reverse. This was a statement that he made. And in that list of decisions uh, was employees. So it's almost built into their decision-making that, you know, hiring people is an easily reversible decision. And I think that that is the new lay of the land now that wasn't before, though some very astute economists or historian could probably lay out um, the journey of this, that this was coming for quite some time. We don't have pensions anymore, you know, things like that. It's probably symptomatic for quite some time, but, I I think we're in an age where the employee relationship with companies is quite fractured, right? It's not a real holistic. Nobody goes into a company thinking they're going to retire with that company, right? It's a stepping stone. It's a pivot. It's one of my hustles. That's how we describe it. Um, And I think that companies are starting to realize that embracing employee individualism is at odds with maximizing profits, and mm-hmm. employees are realizing that uh, there may be a cost to bringing your whole self to work. You know, it's it's so interesting that you say that because I do think that there has to be a right
0: sizing of the company's responsibility to employees. And then, and you know, conversely, the responsibility of employees to the company. Sure. I don't think that it makes sense, like, you know, I do think that, like, you know, Coinbase and the, the base camps may have gone too far by saying, like, this is a workplace, we don't want you to talk about anything else. Because, you know, like, you know, I think I said it, I said it to someone recently, I have, I had my first baby in November, right? I, I now have a son, I'm thinking about schools, and I'm thinking about, like, and I'm concerned about who's going to be elected to, you know, the school council, I'm concerned about who's going to be elected to the city council. That has nothing to do with whether I'm liberal or conservative. It has everything to do with I'm a human who wants my child to have the best opportunities that's possible. And so if I am concerned about that, it's probably okay for me to come to work and say, oh, my gosh, these schools need to get better. It probably is okay with that. That's not me putting a moralistic, you know, Mm -hmm. um, veil over someone's eyes. That's just me simply expressing the thing that's top of mind for me so that I can move on and do something that's professional. So I do think that that, that to your point of, like, you know, can you bring your whole self to work? I mean obviously we we have these 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 companies who are having a little bit of backlash from there i mean even to the point that there's some companies which of course i can't think of off the top of my head right now there's some companies that had previously had ergs and has decided well ergs which are employee resource groups they are usually by affinity right so you have a black erg group you have like latinx you have the women's erg group etc and they said they're completely getting rid of them because they felt like um at this point they're actually creating more division than actually creating um, the opportunity for those individuals to, to succeed. What company was it? It's a consulting company. I want to say it's like, so whoever listens to this, you can, you, can hold me, you can hold me, to be honest, and I can say, I cannot remember which consulting company it was, right? I feel like it was like a McKinsey-type company or something like that, okay. that decided they were gonna get rid of the Employee Resource Groups. But don't hold me to the fact that it was McKinsey. I just think it was maybe a McKinsey. Um, and, and it was so interesting to me because it goes back to this idea of, um, what you say often, which are, are these systems created to actually create this, this outcome? And what I actually think the biggest issue is, is that too often people just fundamentally don't like, they, they only have aspects, right? Mm-hmm. You know, employee resource groups, for instance, can actually be very useful, like, because they can be a very useful uh, resource to better understand the types of issues that are happening to different parts of, you know, different, different employees, right? So for instance, when I was, um, at both Netflix and Apple, we had a lot of black employees who were trying to rent properties and things like that in the Bay Area, and they were literally just being told, like, hardcore no, right? Like, they were just like, you know, you're not the type of tenant that we're looking for, and it was very obvious it was primarily based on their ethnicity. But these are also people who are making $200,000, 400000 half million. I mean, some of the engineers at Netflix were making almost a million dollars a year, and they could not rent an apartment wow. that was in, like, a just-okay neighborhood. And yeah. so part of the question became, does, does Netflix or Apple have a responsibility to help a housing? And to that extent, what's really interesting is Google said yes, right? So Google actually has, has bought up you know various property and things like that in the Bay Area that makes it easier for their employees to um, rent property. And they're also talking about building up a lot more property as well. Sure. And so sure. going to this idea of like, you know, what's the relationship, what's the responsibility of this, of an organization to employees, what's the responsibility of employees to the organization? I think that that's a great example of, that makes sense, right? It totally makes sense that if you want employees to be co-located, so to Elon Musk and so to these other CEOs, point, mm-hmm. they want people to be in the office. Well, what the heck are you doing to make it easier for people to be in the office, right? You know, there's obviously in, in Silicon Valley, there's like buses and things like that that, 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 that take people from point A to point B. And it still can take someone an hour, two hours, or three hours to get to work every single solitary day. So why the heck would someone want to come mm-hmm. into the office five days a week, right? Now, why? They, of course, they would prefer to to work from home where they don't have to deal with this particular transit, right? right? The second mm-hmm. part of that is like, you know, I would, of course, I want to go work in Silicon Valley and work for you at Tesla, Elon Musk. But I'm a black person. Maybe I can't even rent an apartment there. So like, what the heck am I supposed to do? to go work for you. And so I think that's the complexity that that bothers me a little bit about some of these policies, right? Mm -hmm. Because the the first thing that you get from them, like if you actually look at some of these messages, you look at the tones, almost all of them come, like the the statement is, we believe that you need to be in the office because it's more productive. Right. Right. It's like, well, what creates great productivity? Right. There's There's a few different examples of that. So first and foremost, so I am an ambivert. Right, so I, I kind of go from introvert to extrovert and I go back and forth. Obviously though, I can put it on, like well, if I need to be extroverted, I got you, I can do that. Turn on the charm. I, exactly, and I have that ability and I am not exhausted by having people around me, right? Like I can be around people on a perfect time. In contrast, friends, my wife is a major introvert actually. And so she actually would prefer to never leave her home and she would prefer to be in the house chilling and she can have a full community of people that she just talks to online, through you know her phone, through her laptop, and I think she would be perfectly satisfied. She only goes out to see people mostly because I force her to have some time, right? Okay. Because she's truly an introvert, but she's also ridiculously talented. Like she's ridiculously talented. She's ridiculously good at her job, and so I can't imagine a world where you know um, there's a one size fits all in the situation of what productivity looks like. Mm-hmm. Because I can be productive in an office environment. You like literally, there could be a marching band. Walking around me, banging on a drum, and I will still give you the same level of productivity, but I don't have any other complexities, whether it's you know developmental or mental or anything like that, that creates an environment for me. I also am economically affluent enough that half the time I, w- I work right down the street from my office and yeah. so that's the thing that's that bigger picture of empathy that I think that is being missed here, because productivity isn't just about being in the office, it's about having the best circumstances to be in the
1: office. I don't think that employers are incentivized to be empathetic right it it comes down to it's easier to hire for conformity than to hire for skills that's very expensive mm-hmm. than to hire mm-hmm. top chefs uh that are going to bang out productivity without ever stepping foot in an office or not needing those guardrails right there are very few of us that are that self-directed right um and so i think when you're talking about growth can you really employ the resources to hire for that kind of skill. But I also think that there are things that are at odds with the initiative of a company that says, we want diverse perspectives. The idea of promoting diversity, meaning we want diverse number of thoughts, a diverse number of perspectives, means that you can't be single-mindedness. These two things are antithetical to each other. And so a for-profit company has a single purpose to survive, and that means return value to its shareholders. That can Mm -hmm. be at odds with the mindsets of a diverse group of people. And so there are trade-offs. What does a company do in that instance? Like, take the the CEO of Disney, Bob Chapek, right? Not Bob Iger, the new one. Mm-hmm. And Florida's Governor DeSantis, who ended their independent special district, which was around since, like, the 60s. Um, this special designation gave Disney total control of 40 acres where the park was. Uh, they're the biggest employer... In in Orlando, and the governor, uh, in retaliation to a comment that uh, Bob Shafik made about the "Don't Say Gay" bill, took it away from them, jeopardizing yep. their stand. This is great implications. I think the news was saying that uh, Bob Shafik should be fired and and you know bring back Iger. I mean, all kinds of things because he took the side of his employees because of woke activism. Like that's a real existential crisis that CEOs have to contend with.
0: Well, but so on the flip side of that, so one is, so if you actually read more about that particular deal, what's really crazy about that is that because of how the deal is set up, it's something like the state of Florida or the counties around that area will owe Disney billions of dollars, right? So yeah. economically, it also is, so the, the CEO of, of Florida, the governor, I'm like, you're gonna make a, he made a multi-billion dollar
1: Error. decision. Right, right. Gut check. And, and, and the thing is, that,
0: and what's funny is the counties around there, the cities around, Disney has already said, if we end up getting stuck with this bill, you're going to lose our votes. Right? right. So right. that's actually, so on both sides of there, so there's actually, that's, that's, I love that justice position. Right? And you have a governor who is, who is more interested in punishing a corporation that has made his state at least billions of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And over time, probably trillions of dollars, if you really start thinking about inflation and all this other type of stuff, right. over something that is a one one moment in time now bob what's really interesting is true you know you said it's about the employees i don't think it was about the employees i think it's also about the fact that you know a lot of the people who go to disney not just when they're three but when they're 50 and 60 and 70 and 80. many of those people are part of the rainbow umbrella of humans right so it's also a very logical and strategic decision because how can you alienate a large percentage of people who watch your content. So actually, I applauded the decision because it made sense to me both as, okay, you, you temporarily appease, you know, both these, these these people who watch and participate in your content and you also appease your employees. Like it made sense to me. And honestly, Florida, the economic decision that Florida is making is such a poor decision that it's probably gonna get reversed. So there's actually really no risk to, to Disney in this particular case.
1: Except that it was bad press and a distraction for some time, and it brought up that yeah. this discussion of hey woke activism, as DeSantis called it. By the way, I'm just taking the opposite view of you, just because I knew you were going to say that. So it's not yeah. as if I really have this. That's opinion. what we did. That's what we that did. It we always know. like it's like we pretty much agree,
0: but I love the fact that you're always like the devil's advocate. I appreciate.
1: it. I, I'm, I, yeah, I just want to point out this angle because here's what is interesting about this DeSantis and Chapek uh, case is that Disney donated money to his campaign. $50,000. Yep. This is what well, to many, to many do. Republicans. But, but this is what corporations do. They are in the business of returning shareholder value. And they have to be strategic, right, about the kinds of relationships they create at a national political level, but also a local political level. So even if it wasn't Chapik, it was Iger, who as a CEO says, we are doing business in the state of Florida. We need to give to whoever the candidate is regardless if we agree with those politics, how that can then be viewed and used against them because the zeitgeist of the internal culture says, no, DeSantis is a bad guy. Like this is just the reality of, of the game, the lay of the the land and companies are saying that's bad for profits, right? You know, we need to be competitive. Capitalism doesn't allow us to care. I think that's what the other thing that we have
0: to mention here is, you know, There's only like, and I hate to say this because it's not being egotistical or anything like that. But if you actually start thinking about the highest quality, best talented people in the world, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you start thinking about there, there's like major tiers, right? There's like the first tier, second tier, third tier, fourth tier, whatever. And there's a significant drop off in talent as you go down these tiers. Like it's a natural fact. I mean, you and I have both tried to hire. Um, contractors and things like that for independent projects that we have, and right. we have sat there and been like, "Oh my gosh, this was so hard! It was so hard finding it. like just a couple people who had the qualities I needed to get what I needed to get done done." Right. So, yeah. to that point. I think it's interesting that even though companies have a responsibility, or it's a, it's obvious that they're engineering to hire the most efficient group of people possible. Yeah. The point is, is at some point. You're like oh efficiency also has a quality metric here right and so like i want to be efficient i want to be economical but i also have to have a certain certain amount of quality and what's going to happen is is that the quality is going to change dramatically over time it's already changing right i've been like you know I, i bring up light all the time and it's like so interesting to me because like both meta and um google have also instituted similar policies to Amazon, where they're going to be more stringent, or the the review structure is going to change. People are going to be put on, um, essentially, what you know, focus programs at Amazon. So, at Amazon, you get put on a focus program, and it basically, is like you have to improve, or you're going to get pipped. You know, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get actually exited from the company. And so, those two companies are doing it for the very first time, right? Because even they are like, okay, we we need to uh, control costs. We also need to control quality, right? And so what's going to end up happening, though, is the number of people who are the level of quality that's needed to move forward these these large multinational companies, that pool is getting smaller. And so I do think that they're... So what's going to end up happening is that companies are going to actually end up in this really weird position where they're going to be like, well, we, we over-engineered to try to make this so efficient and so effective, but now we're really in a bad position where our product isn't that great i mean yeah. to, to that disney disney's i mean ugh, disney's technological products so hulu ESPN, ESPN plus disney plus um any, the abc apps all that stuff they all had, like up until like a year ago they all had separate logins there was no connection between any of yeah. them The like, experience is a complete shit show and we both know that Mm -hmm. disney's like technology and engineering teams aren't the same as Meta's teams they're not the same as people's teams
1: and at some point they're gonna have to get better right so it's just like yeah so i'm just saying so like to that point the question is is that part of the strategy to hire away the market that is part of game strategy right when you say hey listen We want to create a product, but our competitors want to create a product, right? We need to get out there faster. One way to do it is to work fast, the other way is to control the market. I don't know, they're probably borrowing from each other's playbook in the record industry. You would give spec deals to a lot of artists. Mm -hmm. um, You can control the market. If I already signed Drake and there's a Drake like competitor, well, I don't want them out in the market competing with my Drake, so I'm going to put them on a spec deal and shelve them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's kind of, there may be some of that. This is more of a question. Going on in corporate where we're over hiring all of these, right? Put them in rooms that, you know, when we don't need them, we can let them down. But at least our competitors don't have them alternate theory that's probably why elon musk wants them in the office so they're not double dipping working for a- <laughs> that's true that's true uh-huh. oh my gosh. every time i see a
0: post from someone saying that they have been working two jobs during the pandemic i'm like how i'm like you have two. both those <laughs> so companies that- should actually be fired because like how could you work two separate jobs making hundreds of thousands of dollars like i just don't understand that's how you
1: have a that. lot of dead time mm-hmm.
0: of mm-hmm. that shit. it's either better so- they're working 24 hours a day no. I had no idea. No. No, but that's, know. A good, that's a good point. But then, so to that point, one of the things we talk about a lot is like, was this a good value? So if there's companies who are holding talent, like hoarding talent, just because they didn't want other people to have them, was that a good use of the funds that they had?
1: And this is war strategy. Yes, we have a war chest. This is what we use our, you know, in, there are a lot of ways to get the 10. When I, you know, consult in this space, when you're talking about creative thinking and problem solving, I always give this explanation. There are a lot of ways to get the 10. Five plus five equals 10, but so does nine plus one, eight plus two, seven plus three. You can go on and on, get into fractions, divisions, and all of that. Figure out the one that works the best and it'll get you there, right? These are levers that you can pull. Elon Musk can say, create this plan, come into the office immediately or you're fired, right? And that can be construed as we need more productivity because our roadmap is robust and we're just not going to get this thing done. Or that can be viewed as what's the quickest way to cut 10% of costs, right? Yeah. Instead of hiring or creating a project of restructuring, which will cost millions of dollars to do, I'm just going to create a policy wholly out of thin air that I know a majority of my people cannot actually comply with, and I will immediately reduce my my um cost by 10%. Can't make an accusation. I don't know what so, was in his head. Well, and to
0: that point also, so for instance, he's already said on multiple occasions that, you know, individuals who are, like, really excellent might mm-hmm. have a separate situation so that does right. control for quality too because you know before they sent out that email right. talking about everyone should be in the office i bet there was a separate email that was sent to the important people right. That that's was right like, well, what do you need right. to be happy so now, right. to your point that you're correct right. it's always <laughs> important to remember that there's a lot of different ways to get to where they, they're supposed to get but i that's also right. think that like to, to another, another extent though what happens when um even for the people who are treated differently so the the, the select few like what happens when they're just like, well, but this might not look as good on my resume now, right? And so that's something that's actually, I've, I've had this conversation with people. Cause they were like, yeah, you know, I used to like, Twitter is a great example. So mm-hmm. Twitter used to be a company that if you had it on your resume, it was pretty useful. Like people understood like the quality that you were kind of you know operating. Contributing in. to, right. But all of this mess that's been going on with Twitter, the number of people who've left Twitter, the number of executives who left Twitter, all of a sudden it's like, well, how is it going to actually look on my resume? Right. Yeah. And and it's and going back to the idea of how employees might think about companies now. Right. Right. It's like, I only want to work at companies that are going to move my career forward. That's right. right? And it's like, if you ever feel risky, right, mm-hmm. you, you feel risky that you're not going to be able to do that, then I'm just going to leave you. Like, I'm going to bounce because this is just not, this is not a good situation. For me.
1: I agree. I think that that is the new Dom that we're going to. I think that there are so many ways for people to make a living, right? Entrepreneurship is on the rise. There are Mm -hmm. startups whose whole purpose is to create the tools that make it easier to be an entrepreneur. So that trend is happening. The new hustle is happening. I think that the future employees are going to look at and future employers as a means to an end. You're either on the way or in the way. Um, And to be quite frank, I think anybody, the, the the kind of culture that's being created around the behavior of some of these companies probably puts them at risk in the future of being able to hire, to your point, right? Like, take a look at Coinbase. If Coinbase puts up a site and says we're hiring, I mean, I'm kind of looking at that like you're one jaw rule away from a fire festival, man. I don't Coinbase know actually actually ja rule works on the ja fire rule, is what i'm <laughs> saying we're walking and be like where's ja rule
0: <laughs> yeah and you know and to that point also it wouldn't surprise me that in a few years like you know all these folks are making these cuts because they think it's going to control their expenses i bet when you actually look back on it it probably won't do much for the expenses because because i feel like you're going to end up with like other economic forces that are going to create um uh, additional expenses, whether it's you know the materials you need or even if, when it comes to retaining the talent that you currently have or recruiting a talent for like key positions right because I think even the companies that are hiring freezes, there's gonna be teams that, that they're gonna be building things that you're gonna have to recruit the right person for it's so is, I exactly. mean this is
1: a company this by the way, we are talking about Coinbase and uh, you sent me that article how they pivoted into snitching. You, you know the work that I do is in this space of product market fit. this is clear misalignment, right? That that yes. screams there is a group of people who are not clear about what they're doing and they're making shit up as they go along. Where's Jaw Rule is the question.
0: Yes. You know, he's probably drinking a bottle of champagne in the, co- the Coinbase's CEO's office. He's and that's why they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing because they're hanging out with our
1: land for the company holiday party he's got to get the bahamas islands sanded exactly. out, leveled out because exactly. there's a company party going on
0: <laughs> yeah no no but it is like it's just so fascinating right so like just like so come back to a second so when i like when i worked at apple yeah we had to badge in everywhere right in yeah. fact it was so it was so extreme at apple that, like, let's say if someone was coming in behind you and they didn't badge in, you were literally supposed to be like, no, you can't come in here. Like, you can't. Like, so badging is, like, a big deal. And, and, and especially in Silicon Valley, like, badging into places is a big deal. And, like, I've always known that they could track it. Because, like, for instance, there was a situation once, I remember, um, I like, so a person that I knew, I knew that they worked in the building. They didn't have their badge. And so I I left them in, and a security person was like, "Who's that person that you let?" Like literally, I got a call on my like my office <laughs> phone. We had a call my office phone. <laughs> yeah. So who is this person that you let? I was like, "Oh, I know exactly who this person is." They 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 stay in that office, and I did follow up with them, and they did go to the admin, and they did whatever. They're like, "Okay, cool." Like it was like literally monitoring. So like so so for context, for people who are listening to this, it is like legitimate monitoring that they do of you in Silicon Valley. So. No problem. Like, you know that that happens. What I took an ombrage to is like, it is not just, it's not just, you know, Elon Musk and Tesla. Like, there's been a few of these, like, because there's also been a financial markets, things like that, where they've, they've literally been like, come back to the office, and then they follow up by sending these emails saying you haven't been in the office. And I'm like, well, first of all, like, if I, if I put on my, like, I manage people, how do I actually get people to do what I want them to do? Hat. The first thing I would do is, Send the email saying we expect you to be back in the office, and then attach to that a phase plan of what that ramp up looks like, right you know so it's like okay, we expect you like I send an email let's say on the first of the month, you know, and it says you know for the first week, we expect you to be in the office at least one day for the second week, we expect you to be in the office for at least two days for the third week, three days and so on and so on so on, and so mm-hmm. by you know, you know let's say by like you know six weeks or eight weeks. You're fully back in the office, 100%. Right, and there's two reasons I would think that. Like, so one is again being a new parent. I'm thinking how how hard is it to pivot, and, and if you're if you have children, you know, if you are taking care of you know your elders, there's a lot of people who are doing both of those different types of things. What if you sold your car and now you had to buy another car because there's like not a bus, a convenient bus to get you there? Like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things. I mean, for some people, they weren't even in the same city and state that they were in when, when COVID started, right? So there's a lot of complexity to, like, what I would immediately think of in terms of, like, why isn't a person in the office? That's the first thing. So I'm going to try to solve for why they might not be in the office first by ramping this up. The second thing is I would say, you know, hey, talk to your manager. Make sure your manager completely understands and your manager has to get approval. Like, you don't have to go to any HR, like, go talk to your manager, explain what the situation, is. It, it has to have approval. And then I would have a system that my dad manager could say, hey, FYI, B's not going to be in the office um, until actually week three. Please don't bother B. And then only after I did all of that would I send an email to someone saying, hey, I haven't seen you badge yet, right? And it's because, like, shame and fear, I don't care what type of company you're at, shame and fear is not the way to get your best productivity from employees. It just isn't. You know, they do. They show up there, they do work, they freaking hate their lives, or worse, they're so sad and depressed that they yeah. just are like those shrunken in people who, like, just don't, like, they, they just don't, they're just not productive because, like, they literally just don't function. They do not function.
1: B, I hear you, redesigning this process for a better outcome, and I'm offering to you, I think he got his outcome. He's a very calculating guy. No, no. So this is the thing. The reason, mm-hmm. so the reason I'm bringing this
0: up is, is because I'm having conversations with people who work at Tesla, who are completely yeah. bought, bought into Tesla, who are completely bought into those financial companies, who are completely bought into these other companies, who are for the very first time looking for another job. So yep. even though he got what he wanted, mm-hmm. he may have gotten it too wow. much, yes, right? Yes. Because now the people, because these are the people that are they're risky to lose, right? Because yeah. like his assumption was, you know, obviously the assumption is the people who. Are the least productive or who are less productive or the ones who are going to leave but oftentimes it's not them because if you are if you aren't as talented why would you leave mm-hmm. like it's like i'm lucky i got this job in the first place i'm gonna stay here mm-hmm. it's the person who has the ability to move who moves. First. right 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 that, like, I, that, and that's my point so my point is i'm re-engineering the process not because i don't want 10 of the people to leave I mean in the process that I can get the right 10% of people leave.
1: In the future, what is the litmus test that employees are going to be giving to employers to figure out whether they should join? It used to be a one-sided thing. Why do you want to work here? Like you called me. Now, yeah. what's the new what's the new move um, employees are going to be saying? What questions yeah. are they going to be asking?
0: So I think there's a few questions. So first and foremost, how the hell are you going to develop me? Right, because like this is this is a business transaction now. What are your
1: right? intentions? You so are like, kind of dating You're yeah. like a guy, like a father, like exactly. What your
0: my daughter, exactly, right? it's like if, it's like what skills are you gonna get me? You know, how are you gonna level me up? How are you gonna make me attractive to the next employer? I think that's mm-hmm. like the number one most important thing. right okay. it's like it's that's why, like for instance, even you know companies that have tried to do alternative things, like so for instance, like you know Netflix just implemented levels in engineering, and so now it's much more comparable to the rest of Silicon Valley. And for some engineers, that's actually a great thing. Because now if you go interview at another company, you can say, I'm an L6 at, you know, Netflix, that means I should be at least an L6 at this company. So creating, so like people are going to want parity and understand very clearly what your value is to them and how you level up their career. I think the second thing is they're going to want a different uh, compensation structure, right? right? You know, one of the big things has always been, you know, getting equity. It's like, okay, I'm gonna go work at this company. I'm gonna have a basic salary of some kind, and I'm gonna get a large part of my salary in equity. So, equity is gonna change in two ways. So, first, people are gonna want their equity front loaded, right? Mm-hmm. They to wanna to get their cash as quickly as possible so then they can right. make other strategic choices. Yeah. And secondly, they're gonna to wanna to pivot more of that equity into their actual salary. And so, coming back to that question about expenses, and that's, what, that's another reason why I think expenses is gonna be a, a problem for people, is that they're not gonna be cutting people's salaries as much as they think they have. Because people are going to want to translate, transfer that 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 equity into actual cash, and they want to get that equity, you know, upfront. And so that means it's going to be more expensive for companies in the short term. So that's the second thing. I think the third thing is is that they're actually going to really, really care about who the leaders are. I remember when I first started interviewing when I was a little bit younger in my career, I would be like, I only have to be concerned with my manager. Like my manager needs to be cool. I'm no. like, no. Now no. my no. director needs to be cool, my VP needs to be cool, my senior VP, my CEO. I have to have a lot of confidence. Because right. I think Peloton's a great example. The previous CEO who was a founder, he should never have been a CEO once that company actually did not have or like he just For didn't sure. have what was needed to be That's able right. to successfully run a company. But he had mm-hmm. great personality.
1: Mm-hmm. And so like I'm
0: like I, like I feel very different. Like I'm like, if you not, if you're not on Sam level of brilliance, do I really feel safe with you? Sure. No, probably not. I felt that way about oh. WeWork. Very questionable. Yes. Very questionable. Yes. yes. And I'm like, Adam Newman. I'm like, you are a brilliant communicator,
1: brander. I need I you that. to do that. I don't, he you can't, can't do the business. To me, he was a, to me, he was a yoga instructor. And I'm not yes. going to work for my yoga instructor, my Pilates instructor. You know what I mean? That's exactly. like, exactly. You know, you're I, great. They, they can inspire me. That's it. That's it. But I don't trust you inspire to make really me. hard decisions. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah.
0: I mean, actually think about it like this. So on most um, on, on most like military basis, right? Like on many military bases on naval ships, there's a captain and there's a chaplain, right? Yeah. So there's a person who helps make sure that things get executed, get done right. And there's a chaplain who's like the faith leader who helps them navigate the full circumstances. I'm okay with a chaplain being whomever and being like, you know, Wu-Sang as But my captain, I need to be sure that, that person is not gonna get me killed. Right? right, And it does feel like a certain type of death to invest a lot of time and energy into a company and believe that's going to create a financial you know, certainty for you and then have the person not be able to steer that ship. That feels like a certain sort of death. I'm not trying to get killed in my personal or my professional life, okay. right? Like I need to have that stability and know that there's a plan that's in place. And I think that that's what's going to, that's, that's the drastic difference that's going to happen. And I think that it's, and again, the leaders, like the cult leader people, that's not going to be what's it. Like yeah. it's gonna be those people. It's okay. like I want to look at you and think that's my grandma or my granddad who's real stable, who have been retired, who can who gonna retire on time, who don't have nobody. The for money. raw, raw
1: kind of spirited type of coming in a Ferrari, doing drag racing into the yes. park, and not no, Mr. Cool I Guy. Want- that archetype is is not is to your detriment. Not exactly. People.
0: Stability
1: is key. Yeah, you want a dad Stability bot. To CEO. Exactly. You want a CEO with a dad bot. I get. Listen, I like your. I like all of your points. I'm gonna keep this one really simple and just say. Every company is different, so you're just gonna have to learn how to spot jaw rule. It's kind of like where's Waldo? Come mm-hmm. in and be like, if I see a jaw rule here, I gotta go. Yes that's my only tip. I, I can't, I don't have a list of questions to ask because I also believe that companies are very crafty in their marketing messages. They probably have an AI yeah. machine um, <laughs> that's generating <laughs> these responses. So they're outrunning you with the algorithm. Oh my gosh. I think
0: it's so funny that you mentioned that. So my wife and I have been watching this show called Fairfax that's on yeah. Amazon Prime. Yeah. And there's a whole segment of Welch's they created the perfect AI to create, like, the, the most thirst in people. And one of the characters, this young boy, fell in love with the AI because, like, she was so perfectly set up to, yeah. to do exactly what he wanted. And to your point, I feel like that's what it is. Like, you, you have a good point there. Many companies try to shape themselves into who they need to be to attract X, Y, Z. And the number one thing we have to do, we have to have, like, that X-ray vision, the vision right. that goes through and C, or right. C, of what they're really trying to do. And the thing is, it takes work to do that though, right? So like the, the interview process won't be, oh my God, I just got an interview. Let me go show up. It's let Let me research every single solitary thing that they've done to figure out what's going to happen because I can't risk, you know, having them having this backfire for me.
1: You know, I lucky enough, I've been around a while. Um, I interview people as much as they interview me. I've got a lot of questions for you. Um, And I can say that at this point, I've got a pretty good rubric of how i can evaluate for someone just coming out of college you really don't have that i think you should expect if i'm talking to somebody 18 years old i'm sorry 22 or something just came out of college expect that you're going to have a couple career changes expect in your lifetime you're going to see the stock market crash expect that you might get laid off you might have a couple hustles you're not going to have this vision of being able to see but you should learn from each one of them Hey, yes. I remember this happened, and then this happened. Start connecting those dots. So you'll be able to look at that Where's Waldo picture and be like, I see him. You know, he's right there, and and, and pounce when you need to. Um, yeah. Things are going to change. It's going to be very interesting going forward.
0: Well, you know, so it's, it's so interesting. So, you know, you and I always try to predict what's going to happen, right? Like It's one of our favorite things that we're, we do. And it's so interesting because so... We're in the second economic downturn. So the last one was in 2008. So 2008 yeah. was about housing. This yeah. one is just, I mean, it's so, it's like, like COVID, like the interest rates being too low for too long, the market doing too much, blah, 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 blah. But it's only 14 years difference. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, the rates of these economic downturns, it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, a decade, decade, decade and a half, like every yeah. decade to decade and a half, this happens. Over and over and
1: over. Um, I, I agree with that. We're going to see the length between them shorten. I believe that this crash and the next crash is going to be related to hype, meaning fake money, mm-hmm. um, overvaluation of things that aren't true. What is parallel to um, the housing crash is fundamentally what was happening in the housing crash is we were saying you have an asset. You paid $100,000 for it. And on paper, overnight practically, it turned into 200000 And then again into 300000 And over and over and over again, this on-paper value kept growing. But people were borrowing real money for it. Their salaries, their real income was not growing at that same rate, but they were borrowing fictional on-paper money at that same Now there's too much digital money in circulation that's not real. Eventually that's going to crash. And I think this crash is very much related to the crypto market and the NFT market, this on paper type of leveraging that's going on. I'm going to promise you 18%, but I'm not getting 18%, right? This is on paper. Your value is growing. There were times when people, these stock accounts were giving a participant a hundred times margin. Yeah. Give a thousand dollars and get a hundred thousand dollars to play with. This is on paper money. And so then they start trying to extract that money out and they can't. They're saying, you know, we got to shut down and no, allow no more trading because they don't have the money. It's not that there's a system error, it's not just that they didn't have engineers that didn't design for this kind of load. They literally don't have that money because it was paper money. Yeah.
0: And that paper money popped up everything. Like I was reading an article yeah. last night about the Rolex, like Rolexes. And how Rolex had been, you know, selling for two, three, four X their prices because right. you know these crypto bros were going in and paying straight up, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars for a twenty thousand dollar watch. Right. We took fake and money, and now, money. Exactly. And then the Rolex mm-hmm. industry is starting to, you know, it's starting to even out and starting to become normal again. And right. so this goes to this idea that it, it really did, you know, uh, heighten for almost every every asset, every type of asset. It created this like this this, this artificial um, this artificial level of value that is now a bubble. But what's really great about that, right, is that like you know if we can always Tell just me come back. i the Was great
1: about that. <laughs> Tell me. No, the no, thing. no. It is.
0: But what, what's great about that is that hopefully for some people it goes back to this very general idea. Look at what's in front of you. Yeah. Think about what it actually takes to build or create or do that thing, and then pay that price. If someone asks you for you know two x three x five x ten x, it's probably not worth that, so just wait, just wait, you know because the the reality part of this is important right, right, right.
1: there will be another crash i um I think we can expect these dips to happen quite frequently i don't have enough insight to say how frequently but yes more frequently than we previously thought 100 percent.
0: thank you so much for listening to the drops podcast we love having you we love your feedback Please do connect with us across social media. We are The Drops Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. And we also have a great email, thedropspodcast at gmail.com. You can send in any questions that you have, and we definitely would love to answer them on the podcast. Feel free to ask just about anything because we have experienced a ton of different things. Again, thank you so much for listening to The Drops Podcast.